Well, good morning, church family. And uh, so excited to bring a second installment to you guys on our current teaching series, Dangerous Prayers. And for those of you that are, well, all of you watching online right now or on Facebook, unfortunately, for this morning, but uh, welcome to Facebook Live. And for you YouTubers that prefer that channel, I will say my family and I, we're YouTubers. We prefer to watch it on YouTube. And a lot of staff, actually, we all watch it on YouTube and not necessarily Facebook Live. We'll get it up on Facebook at some point, okay? But we just had a little glitch this morning, a little thing to work out, and we'll, we'll be back ready in all sorts of platforms. But we're on this teaching series titled Dangerous Prayers, and uh, I want to warn you this morning, you're not going to like this prayer. In fact, some of you may actually refuse to pray this prayer. It's not an easy prayer. It's a prayer that is extremely dangerous. It's a prayer that will interrupt your life. It's, an, a common, it's not a common prayer that you and I wake up every day praying. In fact, because what you and I probably like is we don't want to be inconvenienced. We want a pretty hassle-free day. Lord, keep me safe. Let me have a blessed day. May it be zit-free. May I find that close parking spot by the door, by the grocery store, and uh, may I have well-behaved kids today. Those are safe prayers that you and I pray. I'm going to tell you this morning, this one, this one may be one of the most dangerous prayers you ever pray. The truth is, this one will be the most inconvenient prayer. And this morning, we're going to talk about, God, break my heart. You begin praying this prayer, <laughs> life's going to get harder, not easier. And we live in a culture where we want ease in life. But here's the prayer, God, break my heart. Break it, crush it, kill it of all ease and comfort and spiritual apathy. God, align my heart with yours. And I'm going to warn you though, you begin to pray this prayer, God's going to answer. You will be inconvenienced. You will be interrupted. Your life will be made more difficult when you begin to align your heart with the Heavenly Father's heart. God, break my heart. In fact, if you pray this and truly mean it, be honest, you may lose sleep over it. You may absolutely lose sleep because you have a burden now on your heart that you know you have to rush out and put action into place because you know it breaks God's heart and it's breaking your heart. You may face opposition if you pray this prayer. The enemy of your soul will begin to rear its ugly head and try to throw you off in one way or another because you know your heart is beginning to align with your heavenly father's heart. And you pray this prayer, you may be in pain, you may be in agony, and you may be in frustration. But I do know this, you will be blessed as your heart breaks over something that breaks the heart of God. You will be blessed. It's incredible to be able, I think the greatest blessing is just to be used by God on this earth. To allow your heart to break after what breaks God's heart and then to be used in that manner, man, it's powerful. This prayer, I'll be honest, I tried praying it this morning and I didn't want it to leave my lips because it even hurt just to say, God, break my heart. Because I want comfort, I want ease in life, I want it to be pain-free, hassle-free, easy. But this prayer changes it. 
In fact, uh, you look all over God's word. This prayer is everywhere. You're going to see followers of Jesus, just their hearts break after the brokenness in this world and after injustices. In fact, I want to take you to one character in the Older Testament, Nehemiah. So Nehemiah chapter one. What I love about Nehemiah is uh, Nehemiah is kind of comfortable in the palace. He's got a high risk job though. He's the king's cupbearer. In fact, uh, most of the days, he's having a pretty good day. If, if Nehemiah had a bad day, it's a real bad day, right? Because his whole, his whole job was to choose the wine for the king, and then Nehemiah was, as a cupbearer, you'd have to taste the wine to make sure it wasn't poisoned before it got to the king. So now you understand, when Nehemiah would have a bad day, it's a real bad day in Nehemiah's life, right? I mean, because he, he's out of a job and he's out of life right there. But Nehemiah, he's comfortable in the palace. And what happens is, is he's in the palace and his friends kind of go back. They're in exile, they're in Persia. And some of the friends got to leave and go see Jerusalem and Israel. And they came back and reported to Nehemiah what they found because the exile happened and all the Israelites are now way over in Persia and Babylon, which was actually uh, current day Iran is where that is. And all of a sudden his friends come reporting back of the hometown where they're all from. Nehemiah chapter one, here's what the friends report back. They said to me, referring to Nehemiah, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem, it's broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And he hears this report and this is Nehemiah's response. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And I looked and it's just Nehemiah is so heartbroken that he's shedding tears. This Hebrew word here in the original language, this was written in Hebrew, that Hebrew word wept literally means to hear the tears fall down his face. He is weeping. He hears this horrible injustice of our city. It's completely destroyed. The walls are all torn down. But I love that Nehemiah just doesn't sit there and weeps over injustice. Nehemiah is going to do something now. And here's what Nehemiah says after he's, he's weeping. For some days, watch this, I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. In other words, he began to do something about it. He goes to God in prayer. And the rest of Nehemiah chapter one is this long prayer. It's Nehemiah's prayer and it's an incredible prayer. If you have time this morning after service, go and read the rest of his prayer. But we pick up back in the story in Nehemiah chapter two. In Nehemiah chapter two, days have passed and Nehemiah goes into the presence of the king and he's actually saddened at this point. And the king has never seen Nehemiah sad. And then the king has a conversation. Nehemiah, I can see your heart's broken. Like what's going on? And Nehemiah risks his life. She never asked the king for things, especially as the cupbearer. He says, I see something's going on in your heart, Nehemiah. What is it? Nehemiah t- risks his life and tells him, it's my home city, it's, it's Jerusalem. It's destroyed. And here's what the king says. The king said to me, what is it you want? Nehemiah, your heart's broken. What is it you want? And Nehemiah, he answered the king, 
If it pleases the king and if your, your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. So I can rebuild it. And he risks his life in that moment. Because something absolutely broke the heart of Nehemiah. That was injustice that was happening in the city of Jerusalem. It broke his heart so much that he prayed, he mourned, he wept, he fasted, and he went to the king and risked his life and asked, I need to go back there. I need to right the wrong in Jerusalem. I got to go back, king, and I'm going to risk my life in this moment by asking permission. And the king is going to grant him. But what happened to Nehemiah? His heart broke so much that he wept and he mourned in the process of it. I don't know about you, but I, I don't know if every day that I wake up, I want that feeling. That I'm broken inside, that I'm mourning over an injustice. I want to wake up some mornings, just have my cup of coffee and be like, today's going to be easy. I mean, it's smooth sailing, Lord, smooth sailing. Make, make every person I run to, may they have a smile on the face. May they not flip me off today. Let me have a good driving experience right there. Not that I'm a crazy driver, but it, the middle bird does fly around in our cities, right? And may, may I just, I pray that I'm the first one in and out of this grocery store because I don't want to wait. I just, I want it smooth. But break my heart. It's a dangerous prayer. Now let me make sure I clarify something in the midst of this prayer. This is not a spiritual interest or hobby. Here's what I mean by that. This does not mean that when you see that homeless person on the side of the road and your heart kind of like, I feel bad for them and you throw them some money. Or you love animals and, and you, you're, you want to rescue animals. It's, it's not that. Those are good things. Do those things, okay? Do those things. I'm talking about a deep, gut-wrenching heartache inside the depths of your soul that it eats at you, it gnaws at you, that you have no choice but to act upon it because it keeps you up at night. It's what drives you when you wake up in the morning. Say, God, break my heart after what breaks your heart. It's the opposite of everything culture screams. Culture says, wake up, worry about you. That's what culture screams. But it's break my heart. And what I've known, if you look throughout scripture, is that the places we experience God breaking us could be where we experience God blessing us. To be able to step into God's plan because your heart has broke after the things that break your heavenly father's heart. To step into that, to be used by God, it will bring a blessing on you. And it will not only that, but it will bring a blessing to the brokenness and the injustice in this world. Just to be able to be used by God. This is a dangerous prayer. In fact, Dr. Charles Stanley, I love this quote of brokenness. He says this, brokenness is what God uses to replace our self-life with his desires and intents for us. What would it look like if God actually broke your heart for what breaks his? What would it look like that God actually gave you a holy hurt? That pain that causes, that's in God's heart is now transferred to yours and you gotta act upon it. 
a holy hurt, or call it a divine burden, that you carry such a heavy burden that you can't stand but look around and say, this is wrong and something's got to happen about it. In fact, I, some of you, um, you like camping, which you go, that's awesome. I hate camping. You know why I hate camping? JB just said it's because it's the worst. I hate camping because I like comfort and luxury. While you like the dirt of a campground, I like the hotel room. Hot shower, breakfast made in the morning for me, clean feet. I love clean feet. I can't stand. That's why I don't like summer, I think, because my feet get dirty. I don't like, but you go to a campground, it's dirty. You smell like a campfire, and then you go to bed, and now your bed and your sheets all smell like that. I, oh, it's dirty. It's messy. I like comfort. I like ease. I like luxury. I like the warm shower. Here's what I realized in life, though. Comfort never moves someone to action. Comfort and luxury has never caused me to ache for suffering. It's when I'm in the pain and when I'm, when I'm moved by discomfort or a burden, that's when action comes. Comfort never moves someone to action. And pain-free days, pain-free days have never made me like Jesus. Because pain purifies. Suffering strengthens. And trials test us. But I know deep down, there's a holy burden inside each and every one of us with our name on it that God's waiting to just deposit into you. I just need your heart to break after mine. And you know, it's going to be a blessing to you and a blessing to this world. It's a dangerous prayer. God, break my heart. In fact, our action step is always for the next seven days that we pray this prayer. I told you some of you, it's gonna, it's gonna cause disruption in your schedule. It's dangerous. In fact, let me give you a few biblical examples of who else said this. Think of a guy by the name of Moses. Moses who was um, in the palace, he's the king of Egypt and he saw injustice happening. He saw the Egyptians beat his own people. And yes, he reacted out of that anger. And he ended up murdering an Egyptian. But he carried that burden all along. And one day, God's eventually going to say, hey, Moses, that burden you've carried of my heartache of people oppressed, you're going to do something about it. And Moses carries that burden all along before he stands before the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, and he says, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. And he has that holy hurt, that divine burden that says, no, this oppression is wrong and I'm going to risk my life standing before the king of Egypt right now. I'm going to risk my life standing before Pharaoh. In fact, think of David. Eventually, David would become king. But in the midst of who David was, he was this young shepherd boy. And all his brothers are off to war. And his dad says, hey, David, can you take these crackers and cheese and go feed your brothers? Make sure they're safe over at war. And he gets over to the battleground, and there the Israelites are fighting the Philistines. And in the midst of fighting the Philistines, there's a giant there by the name of Goliath. 
And everyone's afraid, and Goliath is making fun of God and the Israelites. And deep down, that was hurting David. In fact, now David steps up and says, I'm going to take care of this. And he says this, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And he's talking to Goliath. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. While the rest of the Israelites say, you're too big, I say, you're too big, Goliath. And there was a holy hurt there that he needed to step in. Think about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known in the Old Testament as the weeping prophet. It's a horrible name, the weeping prophet. But there's story there to his nickname. In fact, the Israelites were rebelling, doing horrible things. They were abusing women. They were oppressing the poor. And some of them were even doing child sacrifice to pagan gods. And Nehemiah says, you can't know God and keep doing these things. And Jeremiah, this is Jeremiah's words. My grief is beyond healing. My heart, it's broken. I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and I'm overcome with grief. Do we really want this? This is what happens when we say, God, break my heart. Think about Jesus. God, break my heart. That's all I can stand looking at that brokenness and injustice, and I can't stand no more. Break my heart. Break my heart. In fact, for me and my wife, we were camping. This is horrible camping. And uh, this was about seven, eight years ago. We were at a campground and um, we were eating. And in the midst of eating, um, our son asked to go to the bathroom, which in the cafeteria, we could actually see the restroom. So we said, yeah, sure, go ahead. And he went. And some time went by and we're looking, we're like, man, I I don't see Brayden anywhere. And we leave and get out and we look at all the restrooms and My son's nowhere to be found. Nowhere. And all of a sudden, we start panicking. I think he's like three or four. He's somewhere, right? Four or five. And we're panicking. Our son is gone. And I remember this deep, deep pain that I started to experience. That my wife and I are like, oh no. Has our son been kidnapped or there's water around this campground? Is he dead? And my family, we split up because we're, we're in search mode now. And we're running around the campground yelling, Brayden! Brayden! And I'm on my bike. And there's a creek in this campground. And I remember riding my bike down to the creek, pleading with God, God, may I not find my son in this creek. Not now. And I got down to the creek and I looked and I was so scared to look in that creek because I thought I'm going to find my son in the creek. And he wasn't there and I'm just yelling, Brayden, and I'm just yelling and crying out to God, God, keep him safe, keep him safe. Don't let him be dead. Don't let him be kidnapped. I don't know where my son is right now. And I made my way past the creek, up this hill, And there my wife was holding my son, 
crying. Brayden, we have you home. Brayden, we have you home. And in that moment, I got a glimpse of our Heavenly Father's heart for lost people who are far from God. And it broke me. It broke me. And I look back at that horrible, horrible experience when you thought your son was gone. To sit back and say, thank you, God. Because one of the things that breaks my heart on this earth is knowing that people are going to hell. And I want to light up the scoreboard in heaven. But it broke my heart. After what breaks God's heart is lost people being separated from him for all eternity. In fact, how did my son actually get lost in that moment? We didn't know this, but after all the tears were shed and he went, as he did, he, he did go to the restroom, uh, but he ran into one of his buddies there and said, hey, do you want to actually come back to our cottage? Because my son was obsessed with ninjas at the time and they were going to watch a ninja movie. So of course my son said, absolutely, let's go. And we didn't know that's the transition piece. He was in the cottage the whole time when we're running around frantic in this campground. But it broke my heart. Are you ready to ache? Are you ready to hurt? This is a dangerous prayer. And maybe for some of you, the prayer is, God, break my heart. And God's breaking your heart for the unborn. I think it's our biggest genocide we have ever seen. It's the plight of the unborn. Maybe that's breaking your heart and you're saying, God, break it more. And now I need to step up and do something about it. Maybe for some of you, you know what it's like to walk in a marital affair. But on the other side of that, you have grace and you have freedom and your marriage is reconciled, but you know the pain and you're saying, God, break my heart. And that's where God's breaking your heart. And you know, you got to do something about it. And maybe perhaps it's to begin to start a ministry that helps couples who are going through those same experiences you went through. Or it breaks God's heart at financial and addiction bondages in life. And you've been there and you're saying, God, break my heart and you need to step up and do something about it. Or it's mental illness or it's anxiety and worry and depression. Whatever is breaking your heart, you say, God, now use me. Someone use me now. Help me go. Let me do something about it now. My heart's breaking, God. Open doors for me. Maybe you've got a burden for teens cutting themselves and you just want to minister to teens. Now is the time to jump on board to our middle school and our high school ministries and say, I'm going to serve in that area because it breaks my heart. Are you ready for this dangerous prayer? Because it's easier not to care and worry about yourself than it is to say, God, break my heart inconvenience me. Help me go be a blessing somewhere. Because here's what I know, friends. It's better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. It's better to hurt with a purpose 
than to exist without one. In fact, as I close in Romans chapter 9, Paul's writing about his breaking. I'm just going to let the scripture speak. It's amazing. Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through through 3. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Paul's sitting there going, I would rather be separated from you, God, for all eternity if I can save my brothers and sisters. It's a dangerous prayer. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for the next seven days. Let's pray dangerously, not save. God, break my heart. Let's pray. So Father God, align our heart with your heart. God, crush it. Break it. Crush all spiritual apathy that we have, all comfort and ease. And God, may we be an incredible blessing to people to the injustices of this world, to the brokenness of this world. God, would you break our heart for what breaks you? And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.